Real leaders leave a legacy. They capture the hearts and minds of their teams. Their origin story puts the safety and well-being of their people first. Great companies ubiquitously have safe yet productive operations. For those companies, safety is an investment, not a cost for the C-suite. It's a real topic of daily focus. This is The Safety Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and safety guru, public speaker, and author. Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to The Safety Guru. Today, I'm very excited to welcome back to our show, Dr. Josh Williams. Dr. Josh Williams is a recognized thought leader in safety and safety culture. Uh, He's a winner of the Cambridge Center First Place National Prize for Behavioral Science, well over 20 years working with organizations and helping them improve their safety, build strategies around safety culture, and uh, assess how they're doing. Uh, amazing to have you back on the show, Josh. Uh, you're also a Propolo uh, with Propolo Consulting as a partner and an incredible thought leader in this space. So, Josh, why don't we start out with with a quick introduction? I, I know you've shared this story a little bit before in terms of how you got into the safety space and what captured your your passion around it. Well, I appreciate that, Eric. Thank you. And apologies to the listeners. I've got a little allergy attack happening here, so hopefully <laughs> I don't sound too awful. But I was in grad school getting a PhD in industrial organizational psychology, and I was a bit frustrated. Uh, it was very pie in the sky theoretical, and I don't mean that disparagingly for for, for the <laughs> research. But, it, it, you know, I wanted real stuff. I, I wanted to get out in the world and, and do things. And I was lucky enough to uh, meet up with uh, Dr. Scott Geller, who I think is, in my mind, is the fountainhead really for safety culture in the space. And he was doing really cool stuff, going to, you know, above ground mines, going to manufacturing facilities and doing stuff. And it was really fun. It was interesting. And I felt like I was making a difference. So that was kind of my introduction to the safety side. I had not even thought about safety as I, I kind of got into to grad school, but we were doing a lot of neat, a, a lot of neat things. And so uh, once I finished up, you know, I signed on with his group and work with them for a bit. So um, it was it was really it was really interesting to to feel like you're doing things to not only improve culture and communication mm-hmm. and leadership, but hopefully keeping bad things from happening, you know, to good people. So that's kind of where it all all started many years ago. Excellent. Well, we're obviously talking today about how you keep those bad things away from from happening. Uh, today specifically, we're talking about two concepts: human performance and this other theme, which is BHOP, really an integration of themes around behavior-based safety and, and human performance. Uh, you've authored uh, two quizzes. Uh, so one is at humanperformanceleader.com. So it's a, it's a quiz on, on how are you doing from, from a human performance uh, standpoint and some ways and tactics to drive forward, as well as a, a micro self-assessment uh, that's available on propolo.com. Let's start first in terms of understanding why we need to talk about a human performance. So, so we know 90% or so of, of incidents or occurrences of a, of, of a safety infraction happen because of some form of at-risk behavior. Uh, behavior-based safety has had huge leaps of, of impact in terms of it. Uh, but tell me about some of the, the, the missing pieces and why human performance needs to be part of the equation. Yeah, and let's start by giving behavioral safety its due. Look, this has been around for decades. Injury rates have dropped 28% over the last 10 years. Part of that is due to behavioral safety in my mind. Look, the National Safety Council had that estimate. I think you you mentioned 90% of all injuries are due in part 
to at-risk behavior. And it's a numbers game. It's a probabilities game. Well, you know, it's like going to Vegas. If you're there for an hour, that's one thing. If you're there for two weeks, odds are you're going to lose money. It's just probabilities. And that's what behavioral safety in, in part is founded on. If we can be more safe more often, we're reducing the probability of incidents. Ask Tiger Woods, just gotten his third car wreck. I mean, there's some risky behaviors happening. So, right. so, the, so the, the, the challenge, though, Eric, to your point is that quote, 90% of all injuries are due in part to at-risk behavior. That in part piece is important. And that's from the National mm-hmm. Safety Council. I think it's higher than 90%. Yeah. The, the in part piece is Systems matter. We are a function. Behaviors are a function of, of environmental contingencies, which is just an academic way of saying we operate differently depending on the system we're in. Mm-hmm. And, and give me a moment to just Randy Moss for you sports fans out there <laughs> was all in all kinds of trouble in all kinds of legal issues for years and years and years with the Vikings and with the Raiders who were a highly dysfunctional organization at the time. This guy spent his entire career in and out of trouble until he gets traded to the Patriots. I'm not a Patriots fan, but they have tight systems. They're a championship organization. And all of a sudden, boom, Randy Moss is a model citizen, literally doing all these things for the community. I mean, maybe he had a midlife epiphany. Or maybe he got into a better system and turned things around. Now he's on Fox News or Fox Sports or whatever as an analyst. But this guy, same person in a different system, behaves totally differently. The system matters. And I think for too long on the behavioral side, we got into these quotas and these checklists and these did you do your cards thing and forgot the big picture, which is fix systems to influence behavior. So. That's why the system piece matters. And I'll just say two quick things on human performance and the rise of human performance and the integration of that with behaviors and mindsets. First, fix the system. Second, quit blaming people when things go wrong. Uh, And so I think it's been really, I think the HP side has been really good for safety. And I think it's helping a lot of people stay safe. That's excellent. So, but human performance is not a new thing. I, I remember when I started in the airline industry, Many, many moons ago, this was a common topic of conversation. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, the history behind it and, and some of the themes that drove this reemergence? Because now we're talking about it a lot in the safety space. Well, I mean, they were talking about with fighter pilots in World War II, you know, how do you change the, the cockpit to set it up? to reduce error in stressful situations. I mean, you know, the, the IO, the industrial psychologist like myself many years ago talked about leadership and selecting mm-hmm. leaders and training leaders, but they also talked about setting up uh, the, 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 the planes so that, you know, you don't unintentionally do something bad. So this has been around for, for a century. And then there's been various iterations, as you know, you know, and Sydney Deck was a big part of part of this many years ago. And there, there have been other folks that have focused on the human performance side, but there's been a reemergence in my mind over the last maybe five years. Sure. And I think part of it is, we got a little sideways on the behavioral side uh, and didn't always do it right. So I think I think the bottom line, Eric, for me is the concern I have now, frankly, on the HP side is there's a lot of theory mm-hmm. and, and this quit blaming people thing. I'm all in. hundred percent. A lot of theory, but it, it's also getting segmented. When I first started out, cognitive psychology was the thing. And there were all these cognitive consultants talking about ownership and 
you know, per, you know, personal things, reflection and those, but, but that sort of gave way to the behavioral people who were saying, mm-hmm. we're talking about your feelings, let's do stuff. <laughs> and then you got the human performance people saying, quit talking about behavior because you're blaming people, just fix the system. And the right. truth is all of those things matter. If we're not talking Absolutely. about how I'm thinking and feeling, that affects what I'm doing. And if we don't talk about systems, uh, we're, we're just, we're, we're, we're missing a big piece of it. If we don't talk about behavior, we're missing a big piece of it. So that's why what we call BHOP, which mm-hmm. is kind of behavioral safety and human performance with some cognitive elements too. That's why it's important. If we don't look at all three of these, you're just incomplete in your efforts to get better. So I think we need to be looking at all three of those. I, I think a really good point, because it shouldn't be a battle of philosophies and it shouldn't be one thing or another. It should really be a, an element of, um, how, how do we battle injuries? How do we battle safety? Um, how do we make a tangible difference around it? And I agree with you. All these things matter. The mindset you have around uh, your level of safety ownership matters, the behaviors and how you shift those behaviors matter and the system, hugely important uh, overall. So tell me about some of the basic tenets that uh, BHOP or, or human performance bring to the table. I think the main one, there's a bunch. Uh, and again, if you go to some of those quizzes, there's more information there you can you can take a look at. But the main one, I think, is we are human beings and we make mistakes. Whatever that, whoever said that quote years ago to air is human. <laughs> it's just so true. And and the first point in my mind is, is we are efficiency machines. Human beings are efficiency mm-hmm. machines. We look for the easiest, fastest, most comfortable, most convenient way to do things. That's why, I mean, why do you speed on the highway? Why do, why does McDonald's exist? Because fast food gives me food. <laughs> and so we got to understand that that's, so that's part of the quit beating people up over stuff. Look, you put yourself out in the field somewhere where it's a hundred degrees. There's 6 million things going on. Your production schedules are ridiculous. You don't have enough people. And then you start telling me, be mindful of my behavior because I sprained my ankle. Are you kidding me? So we just have a little, need a little more sensitivity. First, we're naturally inclined to be risky. And second, the system encourages it. And that's where, <laughs> that's where I think we sort of missed the boat there for a bit. I mean, time pressure, insufficient training. We're doing all this computer-based training. But look, I need hands-on training. I need job-specific training to what I'm doing. But we're throwing some computer thing at me. That's not helping. We don't have enough people sometimes. The mm-hmm. conditions are difficult. The, the, you know, procedures may not make sense. You've got some blanket policy you slapped on there because somebody got hurt, but yep. it doesn't really apply. The, <clears throat> excuse me. The biggest picture really is getting input from people doing the work. And that's through close calls. That's through other safety suggestions, through other means. We got to, and we'll talk about some tools hopefully if we have time. Yeah. Here, but, but, but the system is encouraging it and human nature is encouraging it. And so we really have to take a step back and look at how do we improve our systems? How do we improve our added, our mindsets? How do we improve our leadership? How do we improve our behaviors? Because that's really when you start seeing serious, there's two things, Eric, I think one, you're going to see a better stability and performance where you don't have this. Oh, yeah, That's a huge, huge yeah, thing. All, you know, all that we had five recordables last month. We had done six straight months without it. Yeah. Because your systems aren't very good right. or the scarier thing, which is that SIF potential of, mm-hmm. of all of a sudden there's an explosion like BP where, you know, what 11 people or 14 people get killed in a blink of an eye. They had given a safety award the day mm-hmm. before, but they had lots of things line up wrong at the same time. The Challenger explosion is another one. So we've got to be careful because sometimes we have a false sense of security because our systems are poor. And then all of a sudden something really bad happens and kills a bunch of people. 
Yeah, I, I think it's a really good point. So, so you brought up this theme around tools. I think there's there's a lot of people that are talking about human performance uh, from a from a, a a branding standpoint, but they're not talking about how you actually go out and do something with it. What are some of the tools that you can leverage? Can you can you maybe share some of the ideas around uh, what can somebody who buys into this element around human performance do? There's there seems to be a a cultural component, and then there's a tool-based component. Let's maybe touch first on the on the tools, and then we can talk about how leaders um, can can start shifting as well their approach to drive some of the cultural elements. Yeah, right. And and keep in mind, Deming said this years ago: don't blame people for problems created by the system. So when we start trying to fix the system, getting in, input from people that are on the job doing the job is right. our first order of business, or at least one of the first orders of business. (laughs) So a couple tools. First tool, let's start at the top. First tool, Mm -hmm. listening tours, where you've Mm -hmm. got executives, you've got senior leaders spending more time out in the field actually talking to people. And now, look, some leaders are great at doing that. They've got a good feel for what's going on out in the field. They talk Mm -hmm. to the people. They have a good relationship, and that's wonderful. Uh, and look, these people are busy. There's a lot going on. they got a lot of things on their plates. But carving out time to go out in the field and talk to people is smart business. It's yeah. good for safety. It's good for everything. So one tool, I'll call it listening tours, where we have a little mm-hmm. guideline. And, and it's not you know me coming down as a leader saying, you're doing this right, you're doing this wrong, you need to do A, B, C, and D. It's, it's really asking questions. What's going on out here? You know, what are you struggling with? Help me understand what you're doing. It, it, it's it's about listening. It's about being curious about what people are doing. It's about asking how they're doing on and off the job. And mm-hmm. we provide, a little, you know, a little guide with four or five things, just a kind of reminder. But but it's just getting people, getting leaders out in the field and, and better understanding what's going on and trying to establish relationships. The second tool, I'm going to call it a stay safe peer check. And this is unlike a behavioral safety card. Where you're, you know, you're checking a bunch of things: hard at, yes, no, this, that, yes, no. This card, and and there's no quotas with it. There's no names on it. Mm-hmm. The card has questions like, "What do you need to do this job safer? What scares you about the job? How could somebody get hurt? Um, what do you need? Uh, what would you do differently? You've been doing this 25 years. What would you do differently on this job to keep you and other people safe? Yes. They're open into yep. questions." And if we're and the nice thing is we're having better conversations with people because we're asking them questions. And on the back end, we're getting information we can use to make things better. Because if mm. 25 people are telling us, you know, we have a scaffolding issue over here, well, good, we can go fix it. And if we do a good job of responding to concerns, fixing things and advertising improvements, it's better for safety and it's better for culture because all of a sudden people realize they care right. they're listening and they're doing stuff. So those would be the first two. I mean, you know, there's a learning. And if I can add on the, on, sure. on this, on this last one you just shared is, is to me, this is also an element of, I, I don't necessarily know quote unquote, the truth that there may be a safer way that I haven't thought. And I'm pushing thinking, I'm pushing critical decision-making um, at, at the front line level to, to reimagine how could we do this better uh, as opposed to, coming pontificating about i i know how to do it i've got my checklist and it's either yes or no but there's no alternative better way to do it absolutely well said absolutely so you're gonna add a third one and i cut you off there well learning teams is a big one uh where you get a a group of folks and they go out and uh 
you know, like a pre-incident analysis, you know, borrowing that from Todd Conklin, mm-hmm. use different language. But the idea is instead of just reacting once an in, in, incident occurred and trying to be more system focused and focusing on SIF potential, right. serious injury and fatality potential down the road, send people out before an incident occurs to see where could something go wrong here. So learning teams are going out. A peer check, the, the stay safe peer check is generally for a, a particular job somebody's doing. Mm-hmm. The learning teams, you've got employees going out, walking around, doing a tour and seeing what, what you know, what's going on. And they're asking questions. They're talking to people. They're making notes of, of and there's some really good ideas. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many creative ideas out there about restructuring the work, yep. the, the flow of the work. I mean, there's smart people out there. Man. And if we talk to them and give them some voice and power, they have some great ideas for better, safer, more productive ways to do the work. So, mm-hmm. you know, safer, more productive, make more money. Everybody's happy. So giving power to those learning teams is a third one. There's a bunch. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, three-way communication, timeouts. There's there's a laundry list, but those three in particular I like. And, and so what what for from a leadership standpoint needs to change? Where, where do you start from a from that leadership standpoint to 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 make impact? Yeah, the whole burning platform thing, and and I'd be you know is big. And I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this too, Eric. But to me, the primary uh, understanding from leaders needs to be the need for change. Right. I'll say what I said earlier, but you are not going to get stabilized performance. You're not going to have predictability because everyone's so focused on TRIR. Our rates went up this month. They went down last month and it's going up and down and up and down. And I don't know why. And all of a sudden we had a flurry of incidents. So you're going to get more stability and performance, sure. or less standard deviation around the mean, whatever those rates are, because there's stability, there's predictability by, by tightening up systems, we get more predictability. Um, mm-hmm. The second one is the SIF potential reduction. Because look, <laughs> I mean, we, you and I both for many, many years have seen these really bad things happen where all of a sudden a serious injury happens. I've got way too many stories of talking to people that have been involved in incidents or safety leaders that have to make those phone calls to people's homes when somebody dies on the job. I mean, it's sudden, it happens quick and it catches everybody off guard. And then all of a sudden everyone scrambles and tries to make improvements. We need to reinforce with leaders do it on the front end before that really bad thing happens because those dangers are out there. And some of these places we work, there are, are so many things that can get you seriously hurt for people in a hurry. So the burning platform is the issue with leaders. Like, look, you got to understand, you, look, making money is good. And, and the safer we mm-hmm. are, the more money we're going to make anyway. I mean, right. safety is not this anvil we're dragging along. It's embedded in who we are and how we operate. If we really, like Paul O'Neill did all those years ago, Mm-hmm. You know, he improved safety. He came in, revolutionized how safety was looked. It, it's right. part of the character. It's not something we do. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, profits soared. Now, he, there were some things he did. I might do a bit different, but he's for, for, for sure came in with safety as part of who we are. Yeah. And we are not just doing this as a slogan. So I think understanding it, feeling it, that personal ownership is there and creating that burning platform for leaders is step one. And then we start talking about tools and other things. Yeah, I, I think it, it, that makes sense. I think there's a this whole element of um, a philosophy of quit blaming your employees. That that needs to be thought through, shared with leaders mm. uh, for for there to be some, some real sizable impact because it's a different way of showing up. I think it makes a ton of sense, uh, but there is a there's definitely a, a difference there. So 
a lot of the debate I hear is because a lot of people are dogmatic about behavior-based safety or about a human performance tool, or like you talked about cognitive psychology applied to, to safety. Do you need to say, let's go do this HP thing? Or do we just start, subtly start infusing the thinking, the philosophy, uh, and, and not necessarily even branded? So that's an interesting question. And I would argue that sometimes we do too much flavor of the month where right. we do something, there's a bunch of fanfare, and then something else comes along. So my hope is that human performance elements are embedded naturally with, mm-hmm. I mean, for incident analysis, for sure. I mean, we need to do a much better job of looking at system factors contributing to incidents. And also, what are the, the SIF potential for future incidents. Um, so that's close call reporting, same thing. Um, other mechanisms for getting employee concerns and safety suggestions, that stuff should be happening naturally. So you don't need to buy a widget called human performance. Yeah. Having said that, I think some, I think the training and education and tools are useful and what we do um, when we go in and, and work with folks, for instance, someone's got a behavioral program, but it's turned into a quota system or yeah. pencil whipping. Um, we don't let, abandon behavior-based safety altogether. Mm-hmm. We infuse, you know, BHOP, where we update the card to have more open-ended questions to generate better conversations. Um, so we, uh, you know, to me, we embed some of the human performance elements in systems that are already there. We're dovetailing. We're not scrapping something and creating something new. Sure. So I think it depends on the. On, it depends on what you need, what the, what the organization needs. Sometimes uh, a, a, a human performance implementation is smart, or a mm-hmm. BHOP implementation is smart. Sometimes we're just tweaking what you've already got. Yeah, and and I like your approach around BHOP in terms of really integrating. Uh, the behavior-based safety elements that work well have been proven to to drive down injuries uh, with some of the elements of human performance uh, in terms of truly making an impact. And I think that also needs to be augmented by some leadership capabilities, some leadership thinking in terms of evolving how we approach safety. Uh, great place to get some ideas around it. Just a quick self-assessment that that you've created um, at a humanperformanceleader.com. Uh, so humanperformanceleader.com, free self-assessment, uh, doesn't doesn't capture anything personal about you, just for you to self-reflect in terms of how you're doing, how your organization's doing around it, plus that the mini uh, self-assessment that you've created at propolo.com under the self-assessment pages. Uh, so Josh, really appreciate your, your thinking on this. I think it's such an important topic. Um, I think it's really the future around safety is bringing a lot of these capabilities together to the table. Uh, when you share a lot of those stories, it reminds me of so many things that even the quality uh, movement have been talking about. There's so many similarities around it, just different names. Um, but fundamentally, it's the same core principles around how I go do listening tours or gamba walks. I speak to people, have an open mind to think that that maybe there's a safer, better, higher quality way to get it done. And those who are closest to the work are most likely to to, to want to do more. And it's, it's a proven way to, to tap into people's discretionary effort. So mm. Josh, any, any closing thoughts uh, on the topic of human performance and this integration between mindset behavior and, and 
most importantly as well, adding the system because all of these things interact with each other. They're not in isolation. Yeah, I, I guess my, my final thought, you know, you know, leaders have a, a tough job, uh, whether it's a supervisor or higher level leaders. It's, it's, there's so much going on. And with COVID hitting and people scrambling there and worries at home with kids and all this stuff. I mean, look, everyone's everyone's scrambling. And my final thought would be um, if we can infuse some of these HP elements and do a better job of getting and using feedback from people doing the work. It benefits everybody. It makes it makes life easier for those leaders, and it certainly makes life better for for employees. So it's to me, it's a it's a helpful way, um, which is good not just for safety but for everything. Well, thank you so much, uh, Josh. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for for taking the time to come back uh, and share some thoughts and insights around human performance. Really encourage people to start thinking about how can I include some of these principles, these ideas into my safety program. It's been proven if you look at performance in the airline industry, look at performance in the in the nuclear industry where these capabilities are deep, deep, deep embedded. Um, it's a proven toolkit. The looking at the system is, is demonstrated to drive results. Thank you, Josh. No, thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. Thank you. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Thank you for listening to The Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy, distinguish yourself from the pack, grow your success, capture the hearts and minds of your teams, fuel your future. Come back in two weeks for the next episode or listen to our sister show with the Ops Guru, Eric McCroskey.